Welcome to the Salvatry Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel and the podcast. This is the NFL Week 14. My God, it's already Week 14. The NFL Week 14 final thoughts video and audio version on the podcast. Welcome. If you are new here, my name is Sal Vetri. I do indeed cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, NBA, WNBA, and the MLB streets. NBA video content going out every single day on this channel. But for right now, we're doing this NFL final thoughts week 14. I love this, man. There's a ton of fun to do. So if you're here right now, I'm going to announce a winner, a winner from the the contest that we ran last week, pretty much all week long, you could enter who was your best 6K play of the day on NBA. Similar contest that we ran for the few uh, NFL videos for the showdowns and the early picks uh, show for earlier this week. And I'm going to announce the winner right here live for a $25 PayPal. This person, I believe they might have or maybe they did not um, leave a PayPal. But the winner for the contest is going to be none other than... Right here is the person. This is the one that I want to pick. Mario McMichael. Mario McMichael uh, entered the contest, I believe, a few times. Entered on the showdown slate and picks Horstead, who actually had a few receptions in that game and, and crushed, I believe, value on that slate. Um, so Mario McMichael, reach out to me. Reach out via your, or just in the comments. Let me know a Twitter so I can DM you, or if you just want to throw your PayPal down there. Uh, you have just won $25 giveaway. So if you want to be entered into a chance to win that $25 giveaway for next Friday, just let me know down below. Who do you think is the best wide receiver play? Um, who do you think is the best wide receiver play below 7000 on this slate? could be in the 4k range it could be in the 6k range best wide receiver play below 7,000. leave your twitter handle and or a paypal for a chance to be entered in to win that you can also check out linked up down below is my patreon exclusive content i'll be having a sunday closing thoughts i show you exactly what i'm doing my stacks for the week i also have a live stream on saturday today will be an ownership show so you can check all that out and there's there's way more than just that linked up down below on patreon social media is at salvage dfs on twitter salvage on instagram and lastly lastly this video is sponsored by as you can see above my head right there fantasy draft some exciting news today, but before we get into it, what is Fantasy Draft? Well, they're just eliminating Rake in, in DFS, at least on their site. So Rake, what is that? Well, you're paying 10 to 15% is what DraftKings, FanDuel, these other sites skim off the top. So you put $100 into a contest. Everybody does that. They're taking $15 from everybody off the top. They're keeping the rest for themselves. That's their business. That's their profit. That's the way that they operate. And then the rest is shipped out to people. So it's terrible. Less people win overall when that happens. And the ecosystem becomes much worse the more rake that you take out of it. Well, Fantasy Draft is saying we don't want to take any of that. They're offering a subscription depending on how much you pay per month. Oh, I don't want to pay a subscription per month. Well, if you play DFS at all, you're going to play pay like 1% at most in rake. So would you rather play continuously monthly 1% in a subscription fee or like 12 to 15%? in rake on another site would you rather take out a loan and i know it's not the same thing due to compounding interest there's none of that here but would you rather take out a loan on 15 percent or one percent right you're just saving money either way so check out fantasy draft and what they're doing for my viewers and listeners is they're entering a hundred dollar free roll and this is just where it starts it could potentially get bigger from what i'm hearing and what they're um telling me a hundred dollar free roll for anybody who wants to enter linked up down below it's totally free it is free to enter hundred dollars up for grabs Right now, there's only eight people in there as I record this, so they have a pretty good chance of winning that money. Uh, so check it out. Link up down below. If you're already in Fantasy Draft, you just click enter lineup into this one as well. And if you're not, you should sign up because there's a $100 free roll, uh, and it's pretty cool. So that'll be linked up down below to Fantasy Draft, $100 free roll. Definitely check out Fantasy Draft. Again, linked up down below, $100 free roll. So let's get into this. Final thoughts show, 6.54 a.m. East Coast time. It is Friday, December 6th. This is the target offense sheet over my shoulder. It is on uh, Patreon as well. But if obviously not, you can take a screenshot right there. Stop your video, whatever you have to do. 
So quarterbacks is something we don't have to spend a ton of time on because usually for a tournament, I'll just be stacking. I'll point out any guys who I think are better cash plays, but these are just my quarterback interests. Lamar Jackson, I'm probably just going to run naked. You get the matchup against the first time in history, the guys, uh, the two most rushing yards at any point um, in the season facing each other in history here. So you get just the mobile quarterback, the evolution of the mobile quarterback. No longer is it a, a wildcat quarterback. No longer is it this guy who's just going to go out there and maybe like Team Tebow, maybe complete like four or five passes that are half decent. No, now it's a very, very lethal weapon on the ground, like Josh Allen running um, design runs in that Buffalo Bills offense all season long, dating back to last year. And obviously Lamar Jackson this year, the lead runner and the front runner right now by by a wide stretch at this point uh, for the MVP race, according to Vegas odds, they get to face each other. Lamar at 7,400. I have interest. I'm always going to have interest in the guy who is averaging over 84 rushing yards per game, averaging close to a touchdown per game on the ground. And then obviously he has two five, uh, five touchdowns five TD passing games so far this season. It's hard not to like him even against this Buffalo secondary. He's done it against New England. Uh, He's done it against San Fran. It really doesn't matter who this guy faces. He'll be absolutely fine. So yeah, um, Lamar Jackson is fine for me at 7,400. I would run him naked though. I don't really like Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown against Trey White this week. Sounds absolutely abysmal. Matt Ryan, he'll get back. Austin Hooper, it seems like Ridley is going to be ready to go. Gage, all these guys are questionable. Julio seems to be ready to go. I prefer Hooper the most to stack him with, and then Ridley after that. We'll talk about each of those guys. This is the fastest-paced game on the slate. Ryan's averaging 39.7 pass attempts per game, over 292, 293 in some change uh, passing yards per game as well and now we get to Carolina secondary that has been better like you attack this team on the ground without question um, but they have not been as good due to some injuries at least in the middle of the field on the outsides uh, James Bradbury has been one of the best cornerbacks in the league it's similar to what you're seeing in Buffalo for Lamar's matchup where Tredavious White is shutting down one side of the field and you have a quality safety behind him like a Micah Hyde for the Bills and it becomes a very nice secondary if you get any pass rush that's what's happening in Carolina as well they're just not getting a lot of pass rush so Matt Ryan should be absolutely fine today in terms of the amount of time he'll have in the pocket to find these receivers and a lot of weapons to stack with. Philip Rivers might be an odd one for some people to see on here, and it might be, but he's just the only guy below 6K that I have interest in, and he has a lot of options that you can pair him with. So a 23.25 team implied total as a three-point favorite. Look, Jacksonville... The offensive line here for Phillip Rivers, it's always a concern, but he got Okun back last week. It becomes a more neutralizing offensive line matchup against Jacksonville's defensive line, and they got Miles Jack now in IR. So little things are just banking in a little bit more appealing for me. And you also factor in that Keenan Allen is now a month, a month and a half removed from his injury. He's been looking a lot better. Hunter Henry is one of the better tight end plays on the slate, in my opinion. There's just weapons. If you wanted to go to Mike Williams on the outside, probably a tougher matchup, as he'll see primarily A.J. Boye. Keenan Allen will avoid that matchup um, and get D.J. Hayden in the slot, which is a very good matchup for Keenan Allen. Then, yeah, it's it's a spot that Phillip Rivers is cheap. Hunter Henry is cheap. Keenan Allen is relatively cheap for some of those other top-end receivers that have 25, 30-point ceilings like Keenan Allen does. I'll get there in some bunches. Me putting Phillip Rivers as a yes might be somewhat bold for people, but it's just a pricing play. I like the matchup here. It's not like him being a yes does not mean I want a ton of him. It just means I like him more than sort of what the field is doing right now. And then a long laundry list of maybes. Jameis Winston gets a a reduced uh, Chris Godwin price, priced up Mike Evans. It's a really tough matchup for these guys. Like, I like Jameis. I like the team total 25.25, the game total 47.5, second highest or third highest in the slate right now. It's just the Colts are going to allow you to catch a lot of balls in the middle in the short part of the field. So ding, ding, ding. Chris Godwin has some upside there, although he does run a lot of his routes in the middle to deep part of the field as well. 
but Mike Evans, if this was man-to-man against Desire on the outside, Mike Evans would just smoke him all day. But the Colts do a fantastic job getting their personnel to play above their skill set when they play together in a zone defense. So it's a tougher spot than expected against the Colts defense here because they're just such a stingy zone. They're sort of the poor man's Buffalo Bills secondary because the Bills play a very good zone, but they also have Jadavius White and Micah Hyde, whereas the Colts due to some injuries to like Malik Hooker and really don't have a star shutdown cornerback. They don't have that type of same personnel, but they still do very well at limiting big plays. That said, though, if Jameis is going to throw 39.5 times per game, over 300 passing yards per game, it has to go somewhere. I prefer Chris Godwin over Evans this week for the age-old question. Aaron Rodgers priced up, so is Devontae Adams, so tougher to want to get the stacks here, but he's still in play, right? Your team has a 27.75 team implied total, virtually the highest on the slate with Minnesota. You're a 13-point favorite, so, I mean, against or against Washington, there's a good chance this just becomes the Aaron, Aaron Jones-Jamal Williams show. But even in games where that's the Packers' backfield, even in games where Aaron Rodgers, in more times than not, throws 30 to 32 times, we've seen him win GPPs two times this year and been up there in three times uh, when he's only throwing 32 or less times. So I'm not really too concerned. The price point coming up is the biggest concern. He's no longer in the $6,200 range. Adams is no longer 7000 to 7500 He's now eight k. So just fitting that puzzle together in the slowest pace game of the week seems a little bit more difficult. So I probably don't get to as much Rodgers, but I do want to put him on here because I do think he still has that same upside in this matchup. Uh, Deshaun Watson at 6,500. Tough matchup against Denver, right? Chris Harris Jr. This secondary is not allowing a lot of points. Number seven ranked overall. Their run defense, according to Pro Football Focus, is number one overall. And they're still generating pressure even without uh, Bradley Chubb there. So it's a spot, and it makes sense when you have Von Miller. It's a spot where it's Deshaun Watson. And honestly, out of all these quarterbacks in the league, he's probably the guy I trust the most in difficult situations to just uh, accumulate fantasy points. He's like the definition of a good fantasy quarterback, the stereotypical fantasy quarterback I would build. Maybe Lamar Jackson is starting to become that since he has just unreal rushing upside. But you still have the rushing upside and the mobility out of Watson. He has a positive, actually, uh, pass blocking advantage here. His offensive line has been playing better. And even though Denver has a good pass rush, it's not going to get there as much as usual in this matchup. Nine and a half point favorite. So again, maybe they don't need him as much. But I really like some of the individual matchups here. Uh, Mainly, and we'll talk about him, maybe one of my favorite plays on the slate is Will Fuller due to his matchup facing a converted safety uh, this week. And should be in uh, Harris, a converted safety. It should be a very nice spot for Fuller. And then you always have Hopkins. He's um, he's matchup proof. Yes, Stefan Gilmore, quote unquote, shut him down. Although he had five receptions for 64 yards, and pretty much every time, for the most part, that he was targeted. But with Gilmore in coverage, he was winning it more times than not. Um, so I do think that it's still fine, even if he's playing Chris Harris Jr. Harris Jr. has been amazing in shadow matchups this year, locking down Devontae Adams. Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper. Odell was the only one who did well against him. He had like four catches for 81 yards, and one of those was just an insane Odell catch and run for like 40, 50 yards. So outside of that, he was shut down, and it's a catch that probably nobody else in the league makes except Odell. So it was really good defense, just an even better catch. So Watson was fine for me. Uh, Mahomes as a secondary interest. Yeah, this is the issue with Mahomes. Like, yes, he's torn up last year. You saw that huge game against New England. Um, but this is a different secondary without a doubt. Even if Jason McCourty doesn't suit up, J.C. Jackson is top five in pass rating against the Patriots' number three cornerback. Uh, so not, not getting much relief there. The Patriots do an outstanding job just not letting Travis Kelsey do anything. In five career matchups, Travis Kelsey, his best game was like 61 yards in, or 41 yards, 23 yards and a touchdown was one of his best games ever which is what that's like 10 fan, 11 fantasy points outside of that like five catches for 40 yards uh, four catches for 61 yards those are the types of performances that Travis Kelsey is being held to it's just Bill Belichick saying we're going to take one thing away from you you pretty much can't take Tyreek Hill away like you really can't even if you bracket double coverage he's just a different type of player he doesn't stay only on the outside you can't take that type of guy away Stephon Gilmore can't just shadow out Tyreek Hill 
the skill set is not um, the skill set is not one that can just be taken out based on where they use him on the field, out of the backfield, in the slot. So they just take away Travis Kelsey. So that hurts a seven thousand dollar Patrick Mahomes. Sammy Watkins playing out of the slot primarily now is probably the best matchup they have against Jonathan Jones in the slot, but still not great. So Mahomes at seven thousand, you're just betting on talent here. Only a twenty two point seven five team implied total though, three point underdogs. That's why you like it a little bit more, just because they're going to have to probably be throwing the ball as they usually do with their backfield being a mess. It's just something I don't really love. I like Baker Mayfield a lot, sixty three hundred against Cincinnati. Look, these matchups are going to be really good for them. B W Webb, a slot cornerback who got thrown into the slot and had been producing well in the slot because he was terrible on the outside. Now for the last couple of weeks has had to be playing on the outside and he gets Odell this week, so. Really good spot for Baker here. Um, 26 pace here is a top two or top three on the slate. A nice matchup in terms of Cincinnati giving up 22.6 fantasy points per game. Yes, this team has been terrible. I understand the offensive line has issues as it has all year. I understand Freddie Kitchens is probably a hidden donkey, a closet donkey that we didn't know about since last year. But or, or until this year that we didn't know about last year when everybody was praising him for his offensive know-how. Uh, but yeah, Baker at 6,300, the price points on guys like Odell, even Landry, who's been producing week in and week out, um, I think they're absolutely fine. And if you get David Njoku back, you don't know what his health will look like, but that's another cheap guy that you can throw into some stacks. Moving on to the running back position, somewhat of a short list, right? I only have 11 players on a 13-game slate. Look, there's no value. There's still not a lot of value. You're kind of begging for it. So I have McCaffrey as a yes up top and Dalvin Cook. I prefer McCaffrey. I don't think he's forcefully needed this week. He has the best matchup probably out of everybody on the slate against Atlanta. You saw him have 15 targets, have 100-plus receiving yards in a game where his team only scored three points last time out, still averaging over 27 total opportunities per game, best in the league. This is the best pace environment. So, yes, I love McCaffrey. I think he scores 30-plus. A lot of the time here, maybe, I don't know, 45, 40, 45% of the time. I have him right now projected. I have projections on Patreon for 27 points in this one. So we're right around 27 points. So yes, I think he's great. It's just a matter of can you fit him in? And you can clearly punt tight end to get more money. You can pay down for some receivers and just go mid-range at receiver. And then, yeah, it's really easy to get McCaffrey. So for the people who say, I can't get McCaffrey, there's no value. No, you just have to prioritize your lineup. Just pay down at receiver and pay down to the medium to blow range at tight end. And you get McCaffrey pretty easily. And if not, a lot more money spent left over. So McCaffrey is always going to be a priority for me. Coming in at only like 14% ownership right now. I think that's too low. Dalvin Cook at 9,500 seems to be healthy. He keeps saying it that he's good to go. They expect him to be close to 100%, so not 100%. Look, Cook is fine at 9,500, but people that think that this is a fantastic smash spot against the Detroit Lions defensive line because overall in the season they look bad, I think are mistaken a little bit. The Lions are top six against the run over the last five weeks. Uh, and since that time, they've gotten healthier up front. That's a big reason why. Mike Daniels came back five weeks ago. Since then, the best rushing performance they gave up was actually their last game against David Montgomery on Thanksgiving, where he had like 15 carries for 70 or 16 carries for 71 yards, something like that, which is like four yards per carry. Outside of that, they've been holding teams below a three yard per carry mark for the, uh, for the last better half of the last uh, five weeks. Dalvin Cook's obviously not anywhere near David Montgomery's skill set, and he's the best running back that the Lions will have faced during this time, but he's still very expensive, and it's a scarier matchup than people expect. Give me Christian McCaffrey instead, although I do think Cook, obviously, since he's a yes, is still fine. Le'Veon Bell, last time out against Miami, that's sort of when his overall touches started coming up after he talked to Adam Gase. He saw 25 or 27 touches in that game. Uh, He had over 120 total yards on the ground in the receiving game, had his most receptions of the year. He has a negative 2% run blocking advantage this week, but it's fine. It's pretty much neutral. And he's 15% owned currently at 7,200. I think he's a very, very fine play against Miami once again. 
don't look at the last two weeks. Last week, um, pretty much the, the usage for him is not true. It's not accurate the last two weeks. Last week, they get behind by three scores, 22 nothing. They end up losing 22 to like six. So obviously, you're not going to run a lot. The week before, they get blown out or they blow out the Raiders and Le'Veon Bell got pulled in the third quarter. He's on pace every game and he will touch the ball 20 plus times as long as it's not a blowout. So Alvin Kamara here. New Orleans. He's like the second highest owned guy in the slate right behind his teammate, Michael Thomas. I haven't projected for 18 touches. San Fran allows the third fewest running back receptions and least yards. They also don't usually face Alvin Kamara, although they did hold down Christian McCaffrey this year in the receiving game. Kamara's just too cheap. Too cheap. Like, yes, if Kamara was 10-5 like McCaffrey was coming into that week, I wouldn't want any of him, but he's too cheap. So yeah, the 15, 17% ownership that he's coming in right now, it's completely fine to me. Um, I do think I like Le'Veon Bell more. I have right now Le'Veon Bell projected for, I believe, 19 points and change this week. And I have Alvin Kamara right around that, but a little bit less. And again, it's ownership thing. It, they're pretty much a coin flip between Le'Veon Bell and Kamara for me. Uh, Bell seems a little bit lower owned in a better matchup. So I probably prefer him, but Kamara is completely fine. Devonta Freeman on a slate lacking any sort of value seems like the best value, but there is a lot of holes to poke in this value. Now he's getting ownership, but again, on a 13-game slate, a lot of this ownership is spread out. Uh, he's seeing about 13 carries per game in a on a team that just sucks at blocking for the run. Like, a Brian Hill was bad, but this run blocking advantage is terrible. Quadra Olson, everybody who's trying to step into it, Kenyon Barner, they have not done anything on the ground of effectiveness because this my or this um, Atlanta offensive line has just been banged up and they're very, much worse in the run blocking advantage than pass protecting for Matt Ryan, although they're not great there. Yeah, Carolina is one of the worst, if not the worst DVOA team still so far this year, giving up the most rushing yards, the most rushing touchdowns, 19, six more than anybody else in the league. But you have a team that sucks at running the ball and because of scheme and personnel. And now you have, okay, well, Devonta Freeman relies on his pass catching game. Well, Carolina actually allows the second fewest receptions to running backs and second fewest yards. So they face Alvin Kamara, they face these types of teams. So it's a little bit worrisome. That $5,400 uh, Devonta Freeman is surely good value on this slate. There's nothing really else to hear. Um, but if he's going to be somewhat chalky, I think there's ways for this to fail a lot of ways. He's probably touchdown dependent at 5,400. I think it's still fine. He'll be a yes, but he's not somebody I have a ton of confidence in. Leonard Fournette running the second most routes in the league, 14 less than discussed yesterday on the awesome show with Lofty, Dave Lofty. You can follow him on Twitter at Lofty underscore D. I urge you to check him out. He's got very good information, very good, um, just radio host, content producer. Check out Dave Lofty. Uh, and then, yeah, so 14 less overall routes run than um, McCaffrey this year. He's been fantastic. He's seen 10 targets per game over the last four. He has now Gardner Minshew back on their center. I don't know if that mobility will take anything away from Leonard Fournette. It did not for the better part of the year, the better part of eight to nine weeks. So 5400 or $7,800 Fournette, I think it's fine. He's just not getting ownership right now. And if he doesn't pick up any ownership, I have the guy for damn near 20 fantasy points. I'll just get more of him than Bell and Kamara. Find the extra money. And now my maybes, Aaron Jones, 13-point home favorite. Uh, he's likely to see about 16 touches here. Jamal Williams is likely to see 12 to 15. If Aaron Jones is playing well, then you'll get probably around 18 or plus touches for Aaron Jones. It's just a really good matchup against Washington. One of the best run-blocking advantages on the slate for the Packers against Washington's defensive line. Philip Lindsay has out-touched Royce Freeman the last three weeks, 52 to 22. The issue here, they have a negative 11% run blocking advantage, so not a good matchup against Houston, and they're going to be close to a 10-point underdog. Over a touchdown underdog here, I think eight and a half point underdog. The issue with that is last week we saw it. Uh, you saw Philip Lindsay only on the field for 40% of the snaps, where Royce Freeman was out there for 60% or more because he's just a better pass protector. So if you're going to get down big, well, then the defense is going to pressure more and then you need a pass protector on the field. So you might get more Royce Freeman on the field. The upside for Lindsay in that is he's still out-touched by more than uh, around 2x uh, Royce Freeman last week. So even when he's on the field, they're making sure to give him the ball. At 5,300, I do think he is in play. It's just worrisome, this game environment and the matchup for him. Probably has to rely on the passing game, which he surely can. Jamal Williams at 4,800. 
very barely making my interest here. Like, I think I project him for about 12 to 13 touches, 12 and a half touches here against Washington as a huge home favorite. The problem is they're huge home favorites, and he gets a lot of his, I would say, upside when Aaron Jones is healthy in the receiving game. Might see three or four receptions. When you're 13-point favorites, you can get those early in the game, right, first half, but more times than not, I doubt he's picking up three or four receptions in the first half. You might get one or two receptions in the first half and then nothing in the second half, which crushes his upside. If you're missing out on two receptions in the second half, that's at least three or four fantasy points which is a concern if you're paying for this type of a guy at 4800 The price point is cheap, but you also need him to do something with the, with the, with the opportunities he gets, right? I'd much rather him have 15 touches than, than 12 because of a blowout in the second half. Patrick Lard at 4800 or 4100 uh, You can check out um, the, the Take Cast with Dave Maddox, a very good uh, show if Patrick Lard came on there. Uh, very funny if you're following along in the industry on Twitter. But here's the problem with Lard. Like, he's 4100 It's great. He's a the best pass catcher that they probably have on the team right now out of the backfield. We saw him catch a two-point conversion. We've seen him have, like, a five-reception day, six-reception day so far this season. But Miami signed Zach Zenner, and they still have Delance Thomas on the roster and also have Miles Gaskin, who they spent a the draft pick on, so capital, which they didn't do for Patrick Lard. So, yes, he's been the de facto uh, running back. Yes, he's been very good in the pass-catching game, pass protection. But everything points to, like, they don't want this guy to get the ball. You don't sign Zach Zenner, even though you have two other healthy running backs in Delance Thomas and Miles Gaskin on the roster. And Zach Zenner came in for the Cardinals and was getting snaps immediately in the weeks where they were down David Johnson, Chase Edmonds the week before they got Kenny and Drake, I believe. So that's an issue. You don't spend draft capital on Miles Gaskin to not at least give him more run when your top two running backs, top three now, right? Mark Walton, Kalen Balaj, and Kenyon Drake are gone. So I'm very skeptical of Layard. Now, he has no ownership on him, but if you're following along closely in the industry and you think at 4,100, he's the best value running back playing the slate, I ease you to temper your expectations. The Jets, even without CJ Mosley, are still a top eight run defense here, and you're pretty much banking on Lard to be able to just contribute in the passing game only, which he can. He can catch five passes for 40 yards, maybe find his way into the end zone, and it's a great game like last week where he had 16 fantasy points. But a real outcome for him can also be seven carries for 25 yards and two receptions for 15 yards, and now you're sitting with a a six-point stinker in your lineup, and I think that happens more times than not. So yeah, I think that there's upside in this guy at 4,100. I'm just very worried about a crowded backfield where there's potentially going to be four active running backs on the roster, and anything that anytime that that happens, they're probably all going to get touches one way or another, even if it's just like one or two for Delance Thomas, but that's a concern of mine. Melvin Gordon at 6,100 or 6,400. I do like this spot. It's not a great offensive line versus defensive line matchup against Jacksonville. It's not a good one at all, but he's a three-point favorite. He's seen 20-plus carries in three out of the last four weeks, 20 or more carries, I should say. And then Jacksonville allows the fourth most rushing yards, third most touchdowns this season. So Melvin Gordon just getting the work as of late, 6,400. Get all the goal line work in there too. If you're not going to those Philip Rivers stacks that I do have some interest in, I do think getting to Gordon at this price range, he's just... it's the slate that makes it more appealing. Like if you had some sort of value in the five or 4k range that seemed viable and Freeman surely seems viable, but something that you really like seemed like secure value, even for cash, then I wouldn't have as much interest in Gordon, but look, he's like the second or third cheapest running back that I like. And he's 6,400, which says a lot about this slate. LaShawn McCoy at 4,400. I had interest, but now he's a no, because I just want to make you aware of this. Darrell Williams was placed on IR, but the Chiefs also signed for like the fourth time in a matter of two years, uh, Spencer Ware back to the active roster. So if Damien Williams was to miss, they'll still have Darwin Thompson, the rookie, Spencer Ware, who's been in this system for like five years now, pretty much, and LaShawn McCoy in that backfield. So it makes it a lot worse. Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if Damien Williams missed and Spencer Ware saw like eight to 10 touches. Like I would not be shocked based on how light, how much they like Ware when he's healthy. Um, so not really a spot I want to get to all that much. Let's go over to wide receiver now. 
Wide receiver, a lot of names here as it kind of makes sense that it's just the biggest position with the most actual players to roster. And then there is 13 games on this slate, so it's going to be more than usual. Right now I have, actually, it's right around average for me, 23 guys on this list. Julian Edelman against Kansas City. He'll get to face a mixture of Tyron Matthew and Kendall Fuller. Kendall Fuller has been really bad in the slot, but Tyron Matthew has actually been okay, but he's still safety trying to play slot coverage. He's played the most slot snaps now, uh, so he's been playing a lot over the last month in the slot, especially when Fuller was injured. So Edelman, though, 7,100, too cheap for the guy leading the slate and leading the league in red zone and end zone targets. I really like this spot. If you think about the individual matchups for New England, Mohamed Sanu, tough matchup on the outside against Ward. They really don't trust their tight ends all that much here. Out of the backfield, it's it's a, it's an okay matchup in the passing game for guys like James White, but the best matchup, as it will continue to be more times than not for the Patriots, is Julian Edelman's mismatch in the slot. Odell at 6,300 mentioned it in the past that his matchup against, or mentioned it earlier, that his matchup against B.W. Webb is going to be a really good one for Odell. I get it. He's been terrible. Longest stretch in his career. A drought, if you will, since he's had a 100-yard game. B.W. Webb, though, forced to the outside where he has been terrible in his career. That's why he's been a better slot cornerback. He's going to probably get exposed by Odell more times than not in this matchup. I'll take him at 6,300, just too cheap of a price point against a banged-up Cincy secondary. Jameson Crowder, the best overall matchup on the slate, the number one matchup according to Pro Football Focus in his matchup against uh, Jamal Wiltz, who's given up 28 receptions, 320 yards, and four touchdowns this year in somewhat limited games. He was injured earlier in the season. And Crowder's price point's down to 5,300. He's one of my favorite wide receiver plays on the slate. Calvin Ridley at 6,700, even though the price is 1,200 more than the last time he faced Dante Jackson three weeks ago and, and lit up Dante Jackson, but not just Dante Jackson. He had half of those yards in a touchdown against Jackson. He had about 50 yards even against James Bradbury. So uh, his game, I don't think, I don't know if you get the eight reception, 143 yard and a touchdown repeat, but he's seeing seven targets per week and it's still a very nice spot against Carolina, especially if you do have Julio active, Julio will see all the James Bradbury. Tyler Boyd, John Ross returns, is going to force Tyler Boyd into the slot like uh, more. Tyler Boyd's playing like two-thirds of his routes out of the slot. He might have to play 80-plus because the three wide receiver sets, instead of putting Boyd on the outside and Alex Erickson in the slot, you'll now have Boyd on the inside, John Ross on the outside, and Auden Tate on the outside. So I love Tyler Boyd when he's running out of the slot. It's just much easier for him to convert on those short passes, especially with a bad offensive line still in Cincinnati. So... Yes, give me Tyler Boyd at 5,900. Zach Pascal, good matchup against Tampa Bay. Um, I think it's absolutely fine if you want to get to him at 5,500. Probably no T.Y. Hilton here. Marcus Johnson and Zach Pascal will be on the outsides. No Chester Rogers either coming out of the slot. So potentially a little bit of a bump in usage. I don't think it'll be too much, but maybe a half a target to a target more for Pascal here just out of necessity for receivers. And maybe my favorite target on the or favorite play for gpps only on the entire slate might be will fuller look denver secondary has been good but they've had some injuries and they get to uh, so they've put in a converted safety now in harris who in three games of snaps now has 148.5 bottom 10 in the league pass rating against he's allowed three touchdowns in three games worth of snaps as a cornerback here and he gets will fuller this week who was like the gpp goat of just catching multiple touchdowns 100 plus yards so yes it is a stingy denver defense good pass rush good run defense strong secondary but the one hole on this defense is their number two cornerback position. The slot's fine. Chris Harris is obviously fantastic. And you're going to get DeAndre Hopkins seeing all of the Chris Harris Jr. He's been shadowing 80, 75 to 80% of the time on guys when he does shadow, if not more. So Will Fuller, 5,500 as a GPP play. Yeah, I love the guy this week. And then I have a ton of a, uh, maybe interest at the top end. Devontae Adams against Washington. He'll get Quinn Dunbar. Fine spot for Adams. He's just priced up. Probably if you have more money left over in cash for some reason, I'd go there, but I don't want to prioritize Adams too much. He's seeing over a 30, he's seeing like uh, over 35% market share of targets, close to 40%. So even if Rodgers throws 30 times, you're probably getting eight 
targets or eight targets at a minimum probably closer to 10 out of adams hopkins against chris harris jr yeah it's a tough matchup harris jr has been fantastic but hopkins right there with Devonte adams are like the two guys that i don't really care about matchup all that much for they'll get theirs in some way even if it takes hopkins throwing a a like shuffle pass touchdown to his quarterback last week ends up getting if depending on the league that you play him close to uh, i don't know uh, 20 fantasy points last week if it's a six point touchdown for you so yeah i think that Hopkins is obviously not the guy that I want, even in the same team. I would rather have Will Fuller, but I think he's in play. Adam Thielen, if Thielen suits up, he did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. It does not seem like he's going to play. If he, for some reason, plays or practices Friday and then he's active, he's a top three wide receiver on the slate if we knew that he's fully healthy. It doesn't seem like it's going to be that way, but he would get Justin Coleman, who's given up the second most receiving yards in the league, just three behind Kevin King of the Packers for the most in the league. He's given up tied for the most touchdowns in the season. And the interesting thing about Justin Coleman is he's a slot cornerback, so that's his position, right? And Adam Thielen will play about a third of his routes out of the slot. But when they go into two wide receiver sets, the offense going up against the Lions, they put Justin Coleman to the outside. So I think that's why he's getting exposed. He's very comfortable in the slot. Earlier in the year, he was doing very well in the slot. And then Rashawn Melvin started to play terrible on the outside, so they've been pushing some more Justin Coleman to the outside, and it just has not been well there. So I do not like Busy Johnson or Laquan Treadwell if they fill in for Thielen. They're just not anywhere near as talented. Um, don't want to pay for them on this slate. But Adam Thielen, if he was to kind of get it turned around and play, I do like. Keenan Allen, I like if you want to pair him with... Um, uh, if you want to pair him this week, he'll come out of the side against DJ Hayden with his quarterback, Philip Rivers. Even as a one-off, he'll go low-owned. I like that. I already talked about Landry. I think the Landry and Odell stacks make a lot of sense. Michael Thomas, not a big priority for me. 8,300. He won't have to face Richard Sherman. He'll get a better matchup against Witherspoon. And for the most part, Thomas's routes at the 8 to 12 to 15 yard markers, if not like less than that, 5 to 15 yard markers, they make it very easy for him not to get shut down. He can still catch like eight balls for 80 yards and maybe find a score. But at 8,300 in this tough matchup, I prefer not to get there, although he's still in play. Both Tampa Bay receivers just always in play. A tougher matchup for Evans on the outside against a strict and stingy zone. So I do prefer Chris Goblin for $100 more, 7,300 to Mike Evans, 7,200 on DraftKings to uh, Mike Evans. I prefer Chris Goblin this week. Auden Tate, it's a sketchy spot because he's 4,000, but John Ross comes back. So I do think this hurts Auden Tate in between the 20s, but it might help him actually in the red zone. He has an insane red zone role. He's the number one red zone target for the Bengals. And if they just get there more, it might actually help him, right? So John Ross being on the field as opposed to Alex Erickson, without a doubt, stretches the field more. Instead of having your dink and dime, Alex Erickson maybe catches a eight-yard pass and runs for an extra six yards, 14-yard reception, catch and run. You now have John Ross who can, in one play, have a 40-foot, 50-yard uh, reception, which Alex Erickson really isn't going to do. So in theory, it definitely hurts Auden Tate's overall volume. He might not see eight targets per game anymore. It might get dunked down to six now, but it might help him in the red zone. So he's still in play at 4K. Corey Davis is just too cheap at 3,900. The guy that I would like the most is Corey Davis out of these cheap end wide receivers. Tyree Kill at 8,100. I have some interest. I just don't think they can guard him, even with Stephon Gilmore. I have some interest, but not a ton at 8,100. Really, wherever I play Patrick Mahomes, I'll just stack him with Tyreek. Terry McLaurin is very, is very interesting to me. His price has fallen off a cliff. The Packers are probably going to put Kevin King on him the way that they just line up personnel-wise. And Kevin King has given up the most yards in the league. Terry McLaurin, though, his problem is Dwayne Haskins, his quarterback. His quarterback has overthrown him three times for touchdowns. Three. I'm not even kidding you. Three times for touchdowns. It's been so frustrating. Now his price is at a bottom number. But just say he hits him on two of those touchdowns, his price would probably be still in the 6K range. So this is a risk because you're betting on Dwayne Haskins being accurate. And he has not been accurate so far. But in a game where they're 13-point underdogs, Haskins might actually have to throw 35-plus times. Maybe we'll get lucky and they'll pull him and put somebody else in the game so they can actually hit Col- uh, or they can actually hit Terry McLaurin here. But at 5,100, it is surely risky, but I'll take my odds and get some Terry McLaurin this week. 
Closing it out, Sammy Watkins in the slot against New England. That's the best matchup probably on the entire slate outside of just Tyreek being a freak. Uh, but Sammy Watkins coming out of the slot against Jonathan Jones is very beneficial or, or the most beneficial matchup that they, they will find this weekend as opposed to McCourty or J.C. Jackson on the outside and obviously Stephon Gilmore there. Chris Conley at 4,000. Isaiah McKenzie at 3,300. McKenzie at 3,300. He's just cheap. But the matchup is brutal, right? He'll probably get Jimmy Smith, and that's just brutal. Um, and then for Chris Conley against the Chargers, he won't have to face DJ Shark. will have to face Casey Hayward. So Conley at 4,000. Actually, I'll say Conley at 4,000 is my favorite cheap wide receiver play over Corey Davis this week. Moving to the tight end position. Austin Hooper might return, should return, 6,000. I love him. Hunter Henry, 5,100. Yes. So Hunter Henry, just weird game last week. Only three targets on 29 Philip Rivers dropbacks. I think that's just kind of a, a an outlier performance. He's been solid for seven to eight targets per week before that. I like the price point of 5,100. Austin Hooper returning, a guy who's seen steadily seven and a half targets per game before getting injured. Now gets a nice Carolina matchup, a team that has been struggling as of late defending quality tight ends, I will say. George Kittle is my favorite tight end on the board, though. He has not been this cheap in seven weeks. Um, this is the second lowest he's been priced all season long. He gets the Saints in a spot where his team only has a 20.75 team implied total. But Jimmy G, the last three week, two weeks, has only thrown 41 times total. If Jimmy G is forced to throw against a good Saints run defense in this one, so probably should throw a little bit more. If he's forced to throw in this game, uh, and it is slow pace, so maybe they lose a possession or something like that. But if he's forced to throw 28 to 30 times, the target share that market or George Kittle is seeing this year, market share of targets, you're probably going to see Kittle getting eight targets at minimum. $5,900 for George Kittle's eight targets is atrocious. Travis Kelsey at 6,200 is just too cheap, but New England literally takes this guy away. Now at 6,200, I'll still have a good amount of him. He'll probably be a top three or four own tight end for me. But earlier in the week, I liked him as my number one option. Looking more into it though, Bill Belichick's scheme. Like it's not just Travis Kelsey ending up having bad games in these spots out of the five times he's played him in his career, twice in the playoffs. It's Bill Belichick literally saying, this guy is not beating us. And you can see what they're doing with their coverages, shifting more towards the middle of the field on Kelsey, making it a little bit more brutal for him to get open and really get anything after the catch. Darren Waller, 5,800. Probably the guy I like the least out of the Hooper, Henry, Kittle, Kelsey, Waller bunch, all these guys at 5K or above. Uh, actually, Mark Andrews would be the guy I like the least, but then Waller after that, he's fine. It's just a really tough matchup against Tennessee. They do guard the middle of the field a lot better as his own defense. You might see a little bit more for Darren Waller in the middle of the field, but nothing in terms of big play upside in a slow-paced game. Jack Doyle at 4,600 against Tampa, still in play. 11 targets, nice game last week. The wide-open touchdown probably doesn't happen every week for him, but if you're seeing 11 targets and now there's no Chester Rogers in the middle of the field, he's going to have to pick up some slack. Even with the price hike of $1,300, I still think he's fine. Track David and Joku's status. He might play this weekend. He'll probably be limited if he does play, so maybe this isn't the week to take a chance on him, but he's only 3,500, and if you are Cleveland stacking, it could be a nice addition to some lineups. Lastly, Greg Olson is going to be out, and Carolina has said they're going to run a tight end committee of three guys. That sucks, because Ian Thomas right now is 2,500, the stone minimum, and last year, to close out the season, he played the final five weeks of the year with Greg Olson hurt. He played in the beginning of the year some, too, but he had at least 10 fantasy points in four out of five games. He had at least 12 fantasy points in three out of five games, and he had 15 plus in two of those games. Ian Thomas is a legit tight end who's talented in a very good matchup against Atlanta, so Look, I'm still going to run him out there in some lineups. I don't like that they said they're going to run out of tight end by committee. But in my opinion, he's by far the best pass catching tight end, which they're going to need here. So I like Ian Thomas at the stone minimum. If they never said that, that scares me a little bit, the coach speak of splitting it up. He would be my highest on tight end. Now, though, I'll probably have more Kittle, maybe more Henry or Hooper. So that's where I'm at right now. I'll put this back on the target offense sheet. So 
Once again, check out the link down below in the description. That is going to be for Fantasy Draft. It's a $100 free roll. It is free to enter. So the link down below, free to enter. There's only like eight people in there as I record this. So you have a pretty good shot at winning. Let me know who's your favorite wide receiver play below 7K in any price range. Favorite point per dollar. Leave your Twitter handle. You must be a subscriber to do this contest. Leave your Twitter handle. It's totally free to subscribe. Hit the red button and or a PayPal. Some way for me to contact you if you win. And once again, to the guy who won this week, Mario McMichael, please do reach out to me via Twitter or just the comments down below. Twitter is probably the best way to make sure that I see it immediately and we can get you your $25 on PayPal, Vedmo, whatever you like to use sent your way. Thank you for tuning in. Check out my exclusive content on Patreon linked up down below. Tons of stuff over there. You can search more of my content and also check out if you are indeed interested. My social media is at DFS on Twitter, Salvetri on Instagram for exclusive content leaks for my Instagram following only. You all rock. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great week for a team. Again, fantasy draft um, promotional contest, $100 free roll linked up down below. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you can please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.